Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. So by his 20s, our next guest was overwhelmed by debt, stranded a thousand miles from home. He only had $7 to his name. And after crying out to God for wisdom, he discovered a biblically inspired formula that will help him reach the level of financial freedom he had only just dreamed of. And through simple methods within his formula, he's paid off his house by age 31. I mean, is that crazy or what? And then reached a personal goal of giving away $1 million by age 40. That's just amazing. It's blown my mind. That person is Bob Lotick, and we have him with us today. He's written this book, Simple Money, Rich Life, How to Achieve True Financial Freedom and a Design of a Life of Eternal Impact. Awesome. Hey, Bob, why don't you start back from the beginning, and how did you get where you were to get where you are today. It started with me just being a complete mess financially. Um, I was living down in Florida on a, in a beach town, which is great. I had a convertible and it was a day before my 21st birthday and my friends were coming down the next day. And so I was living the dream like pre-Instagram. Like it was just, it was great. But that day I just picked up my paycheck and I was going to take it to the bank. I was gonna cash it and I was gonna go pay my rent. I had about three hours to do it, so everything was fine until dun 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 my car just breaks down in the middle of the road and i don't know that much about cars but i kept on turning the key it's like not starting after 10 times it's like okay time to throw in the towel and give this thing up and i started having a panic moment as i started realizing what's about to happen because if i don't get this car towed repaired and then get back to the bank to cash this check to uh, pay my landlord in the next three hours she's gonna tack on a 50 dollars late fee and i don't even have 50 dollars to come up with and so my paycheck was so small it was just enough to cover my rent which is a whole nother problem for another day we can talk about but the point is is i was like realizing that my whole financial life is like a house of cards that's been stacked up and now a little wind blew which is like a 200 dollars alternator that went bad and my whole financial life's crashing down beside me i wasn't even thinking about like the next day or the next week or the next month. I was so short-sighted. And anyway, it was in this moment that I realized like I'm a mess. And so from that point, I just cried out to God, asked for help. And I said, if you have a better plan, I want to hear it. And so that kind of started me off on my financial journey. Wow. So obviously <laughs> he gave you one. How did that come about? I mean, really, a lot of it was just a humbling process of admitting that I didn't know everything about money, you know, because I actually was someone who grew up wanting to be an accountant. I had worked at a bank. You know, a lot of my friends were asking me questions about money. So they just assumed, you know, and I assumed I knew a lot about money. But the fact is, is that I really didn't. And so that humbling was kind of the first step. And so I began just uh, realizing I didn't know as much as I thought, so I need to start learning more. So I began reading every book I could find. I began reading every magazine and taking every class I could find. And through that, just started develop developing better habits, making better decisions, and, you know, like magic, like you just do that, start doing smarter things and fewer dumb things and things start improving. <laughs> and that's what happened. I think that's uh, the title of your next book. <laughs> yeah. Do fewer I dumb love things. The, yeah. I love the title of this book, Simple Money, Rich Life, because I don't think there's anything simple about money and everybody wants a rich life. So yeah. tell me, yeah. how did you even come up with the title, Simple Money, Rich Life? We wrestled with the publisher for like seven months to kind of nail it down. But eventually we landed on that title. And I do love it too, because it so accurately describes what 
it's all about. And you're exactly right. Like, I think that the, I used to work in the financial industry. I worked at a bank. I worked in a financial services company. And there's this like thing where they all make you try to believe that it's so much more complicated than it needs to be. And so uh, that's part of what I'm gifted at doing is taking complicated things and boiling them down to their simplest parts. And we honestly wrote this book to be a book specifically for people who don't want to read money books. Like that was the goal of it. Like, how can we write a book? Because my wife is in here and she is definitely not a money person. And so she's in here contributing to kind of lighten the mood and to make it very um, palatable for someone who doesn't read financial books. And it's designed to be for that person and also for someone who really only wants to read one financial book their whole life and then just get on with their life. It's like, get these simple things in place and then get on with your life and have a much better financial life from then on, you know? So that was the goal with it. And that's why we chose that title. Uh, the book that. is divided up into four different sections. How did you come up with those? Yeah, so that is based off of an old John Wesley quote. Um, the famous preacher from the early 1800s, I think. And he made he had this quote where he said, um, I make all I can and I save all I can, meaning he reduces his expenses and doesn't waste money on stuff so that he could give all that he can, all that he could. That was kind of like a, uh, I don't know, just a philosophy and approach that we have taken, you know, in our lives for the, the all the years we've been married. And so that was kind of what we built the book around, like these ideas. All right, how can we help people earn more money so they actually have more? How can we help them manage it a little bit wiser, you know, and automate things and set it up so that it's foolproof so that they have more money that they can give and impact the world around them. And that is the gist of the book. Now, did you have, like, did you grow up with your parents teaching you money management? Did you have any background <laughs> in this area? I mean, most people don't, right? I was yeah. kind of in that same boat. Like uh -huh. my parents, you know, there wasn't a lot of financial education. This is, you know, I talk to people all the time and they say, yeah, my dad said, we never talk about money. Like money's, that's a topic we don't talk about. And it's like, how are we going to learn? How are we going to learn if our parents are teaching us? So that's something that I want to see changed. You know, obviously, I think there's something we can be talking about in schools a little bit more. I'd love to see more of that happening. And my parents were great. They did the best they could, but we didn't have a lot of financial education growing up. Yeah. You know, I think that is so common. My parents set me up with a checking account, but then what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good <You> know, luck. <laughs> yeah. There's zero in the balance. I can do that kind of math, but yeah, uh, yeah. you know, now what? So I think you really have something there about really ingraining and not being so secretive about money yep. with our kids. I mean, there is no other place that they're learning that. So uh, I love this thought that you have that you you say you can't actually you don't actually have to try to spend less but you have yeah. to pay attention to what you're currently spending and you'll automatically yeah. spend less. I'm feeling there's a message for me. <laughs> yeah, this is something that most people just don't, they have a hard time believing it until they actually do it. But if you've ever gone to a nutritionist, you know, one of the first things they're gonna say is, all right, start writing down everything that you eat. Keep a food journal and write down everything that you eat. And by doing this, anyone who's done it knows that you just eat better just by writing it down. And it's the same way with our money. There was a financial blogger that I follow who he said that he did this exercise and the next month he spent 50% less. Wow. 50% less. That's a lot. Just by writing down everything that he did. And he mentioned three times in there. He said, it's really important to realize I did not try to change my spending. I literally just wrote it down. And we hear this from our students over and over and over again. For people who aren't doing this at all, and their money's just in one big bucket, they're not paying attention, when they start doing this, without fail, we hear this over and over and over again. I spent less and I didn't even feel it. Wow. wow. That's, that's, that's a good message, you big. know? Yeah. I've been trying yeah. to instigate this whole idea of put something in your cart and wait 24 hours before you hit. It's a great idea. That is a send. good idea. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes it works. Amnesia. Sometimes. It's called the amnesia <laughs> financial system. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's what I have. Next. Forget about I it. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot be the only one who does this because I've been through, uh, you know, several different financial programs to try to help me manage my money better. And the second that somebody tells me what I can't do with my money, (laughs) that's all that I want to do with my money. If you tell me that I can't go to a restaurant, I want to hit every restaurant in town about five times. And so, you know, so many gurus, the financial gurus, they're all about telling you what you can't do with your money. And you have a very different approach. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, our goal really is to kind of be opposite of a lot of the financial gurus out there. And part of that is just this grace uh, approach to things, but also like you said, to not just tell everybody what they can't do. It's like at the end of the day, personal finance is personal. Like you should get to make this decision. What's important to you? Like you should be the one, not some book or some financial expert on TV telling you that you can't spend your money on this. So the the thing is the first step is identifying what's most important to you. What are those things that's like, I wish I could spend more money on this. And then the next step is, all right, let's identify the things that I don't care that much about or the things that I don't even know are there because I I just looked at a study uh, two days ago and it said 71% of Americans are spending over $600 a year on unused subscriptions. So wow. Hulu membership, that's a lot. Amazon channel membership, and this is just what they know of. And so this doesn't even count the subscriptions they aren't aware of because two weeks earlier, I went on Amazon to cancel my kids' PBS Kids subscription, and there were three other ones in there I was paying for that I didn't even know about. And so the point is there's so much money, if especially if we're not paying attention, that's just being eroded away. and We don't even know that it's happening. It's like holes in a bucket leaking out. And so that's all money that we could take and put towards the things that are important to us. And then beyond that, even identifying the things that it's like, yeah, that's okay. You know, so like it, for me, example, or as an example, like I don't care that much about cars. Cars are a point A to point B thing for me. Therefore, I shouldn't be someone who's spending $400 a month on a car payment. Mm. And for somebody who loves them, it's like, great, do that. But for me, I so much rather would go on three or four really nice dates with my wife and take our five to seven year old car to get there that's paid off. Like that's how I would prefer to live. That's more enjoyable to me. But if you're a car guy or car gal and you want to have the super nice car, it's like, great, that's important. But find the things that aren't important to you and let's reduce those. That's really good. It comes back to intentionality, right? And priorities. And you did an amazing thing. You paid off your house in three years. What? I mean, is it true? What a dream come true. Is that possible? I mean, how'd you do that? Yeah, I got to give credit to where credit's due. So I'm going to take you through the story here. So I, we had paid off all of our credit card debt at that point. We had paid off our car loans. We had paid off my student loan. Like we... We're succeeding financially and doing great. And I had a plan, like we were ahead momentum. We had extra income because we had paid our extra uh, disposable income each month because we'd paid off those other debts. And I'm like, all right, let's get our house paid off. And so we're chasing down, trying to pay off our mortgage. I'm the numbers guy. So I have this plan laid out. It's gonna be about three or four years for us to get it paid off. And I remember one day going, I'm like, I'm gonna go pray to God and ask if we can get this thing paid off faster. And so I do this and I, and as I'm doing it, I didn't hear this audible voice from God, but I, I sensed him speak to my heart. If you really want to see me move on your finances, I want you to begin giving your age as a percentage of your income. So I was 31 at the time. And I remember like scratching my head and be like, what? Who does that? That's insane. Like I, we were given like 11% at that point. And I'm like, that's a huge jump. I don't even know if we're gonna be able to pay the bills and do groceries and all this stuff. And, and I remember just kind of like, 
being freaked out, but also just sensing this gentle invitation to go on an adventure and generosity type of thing. And so I went back and talked to my wife and she's like, you know what? If you feel like God's calling us to do that, then he probably has something really cool on the other side of it. And so with that, that month, we began giving 31% of our income. And, you know, and since we were giving that much of our income, pretty much all that extra disposable income, we're giving it all away. So it's not going to pay down the mortgage anymore. So my new debt payoff plan was about 10 years. That's what it was going to take to get our house paid off. So here's the crazy thing. This is how we did it. Because 10 months later, no joke, our mortgage was paid off. What? It wasn't wow. 10 years. Wow. It was 10 months <laughs> later after we started doing that, after we increased our giving to 31%. And so I have no idea how it happened. Like, it doesn't make sense to me to this day. I can't explain the math behind it. All I know is that we did that thing we felt like we were supposed to do. And then that happened 10 months later. Well, you know, there's a lot of scripture to back it up. Give, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, in yep. Corinthians, it talks a lot about how you know, there's there's lots of things connected to giving, and like if you're give you if you have a a giving mindset, it says they'll be able be able to abound towards every good work. Well, yep. good works are like giving to Family Life Radio or nonprofits, or you know, you can't abound towards them unless you have money. So, but what you're talking exactly. about is a spiritual concept that doesn't make sense at all in the world. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. That's 100 percent true. Because like looking back, secular financial advice would have been. If you want to pay off your mortgage early, that is the worst thing to do. (laughs) Giving all your money away, like that is the worst plan you can actually make. But that's the thing. It's like God had a different plan. His kingdom works differently. and, uh, And that's what it was. I love that. That's awesome. Money was a big point of contention, uh, you know, in your marriage at one point. They they talk about how like a lot of times spenders are married to savers. Like how, (laughs) how do we improve when that happens? Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? I hear a cry for help. (laughs) (laughs) So this is so common. I mean, we all know this. This is super, super common. I talked to a lot of couples and we hear this over and over again. And in fact, with us, like I'm a certified educator in personal finance. And I say that Linda is a certified spender of all of our money. (laughs) And so this is super common. And we went through that as well. And here's the thing that I came to understand and realize is that as a money nerd, as the guy who does the math and writes everything down on a sheet and all this stuff, I tend to think that this is math. It's black and white. I am right. And so the way that I think we should spend money is the thing that we should do. Of course it is. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Like, that's what I thought. But God, like, convicted me and he showed me that I brought Linda into this marriage. You guys are together for a reason. And she has value to add to how this family works and how this family spends money. And so for me, that helped me a lot because I began kind of letting go of my super strict budget and all these different things um, in order to allow her to express herself financially. You know, so that meant us spending a little bit more money in certain areas that maybe I was not as comfortable in. But by doing that, that actually got her more invested. And then she began yielding on some things and bending on some things. And so together we kind of had this mutual submission thing that actually worked really well and got us in unity better than we had been before. And that was really, really powerful. One other super practical thing I'll just throw out there because I think this helps a lot of people. We hear this from students all the time. So 
one thing we did is we began creating two separate spending accounts. And this was a game changer for us. So at the beginning of the month, money comes in and we would break it out into two different categories. One is a Linda category, one is a Bob category. All the money in that category for me, I can spend it however I want. I don't have to ask her. I'm not being judged by her. And it's the same for her. And so she can go spend the, all day long on Starbucks, Frappuccinos or whatever. And it's like, I don't care because it doesn't affect me. And, and so, and it's also not tied to the uh, grocery budget because earlier all of our money was in one big bucket. And so if, if I went to Lowe's and bought a saw, like she'd be yelling at me because it's like, we got to buy groceries and you spent it all on a saw. And so we never have those discussions anymore. <laughs> we never have those fights anymore. And like that one simple thing reduced our money fights by probably 90%. But I'm using the saw to cut the meat that we get from the store. (laughs) (laughs) Or it can can be justified, right? Exactly. And that just kind of helped because that was the question I was actually building up the courage to ask is uh, Uh, we actually have the opposite problem. hmm. We have two spenders. (laughs) (laughs) Our household, that one just helped out right there. That that little follow-up tip. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think that'll definitely help for sure. But... The thing I would say to two spenders is, and you probably, I'm curious if you agree with this, but one of you probably leans more into the spending than the other one. Is that true? Are you both like complete equal? Hardcore spenders. Like burn it up, blow it out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you, uh, Uh, Misty, uh, you and I have a little problem. Yeah. A lot on the radio. Yeah. We're I may be wearing my most it. recent problem on my face today. There may have been a little package from a makeup company that came yesterday. <laughs> both, by the way, Bob, both Misty and Sally will oh, yeah. talk about makeup in this studio <laughs> for a long time. And I'm just here. I'm just, you know, I just want you to know what you're, I'm dealing with. We're just yeah. trying to educate you, sir. Yeah, see? It's an educational process. Oh, so, so, so your answer is no, you're both just as bad. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm worse. Oh, you are. I am okay, there you far go. worse. You're worse. All right. I'm okay. far worse. Mm. All right. Well, there you go. So so in that dynamic, it's a matter of relativity. Okay. So in this <laughs> dynamic, call yourself the spender. Okay. Um, and then we'll just go from there. And he's less. I'm, I'm the bigger spender. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. I, I want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's so hilarious. Funny. I want to back up the bus a little bit to. Please uh, do. <laughs> to giving money away. You said that by age 40, you achieved the dream of giving away a million dollars. Is this sort of long, did did this come on the heels of you deciding to give more money when you wanted to pay off your house or how'd this go down? Yeah. So that giving our age thing that we started when we were 31, we've just continued to incrementally increase. And so now I'm 41 and we've increased that up to 41. Wow. And so, yeah, so we've continued that. And by doing that, when you're giving that much away, it adds up pretty fast. And so this leads to a whole nother thing that we did that I found to be hugely inspiring in our giving was we started tracking it. And so we started writing down, keeping a running total. We call it our net given instead of our net worth. We call it our net given. It's a running total of how much we've given away uh, since we got married. And it's so fun because it gets us focused on something that's really important to us, which is to give. And where you're focused, that's where your energy goes. And so as a result, we've been able to track our giving, hit some really cool milestones. And it's like, and these numbers aren't to impress other people or to brag about. Like it's it's just a internal high five that Linda and I give each other to kind of like and give God glory and what he did through us. That's good. Love that. I love that too. Love it. Back to spending. Um, <laughs> Sally wants to spend yeah, some sorry. money now. Here we go. Are credit cards a no-no? I, I mean, I don't know how you can actually kind of survive without them, but yet yeah. they kind of have a bad rep. 
Yeah. Especially uh, with my husband. And me. So, <laughs> so I tend to view them like the way I describe them is like a chainsaw. Okay. So it's a, it's a tool that can help you get things done, but it's also can be dangerous and you can hurt yourself, you know? So I wouldn't give, you know, my chainsaw to my eight year old boy and say, run in the backyard and have fun. You know, I wouldn't do that, but it, like I've had to cut down some trees in my yard and I'm telling you what, like a chainsaw is a good tool for the job. It's so much better than an ax or butter knife or anything else. You know, it's just a good tool for the job. So with that in mind, credit cards have the ability, you know, if we're not using them wisely to hurt us and set us back financially. But uh, at the end of the day, they are a tool and that's how we need to view them. And so, I mean, I'll just walk you through three rules that my wife and I created that have helped us safe, helped us stay safe with credit cards. Because we got into major credit card debt before we got married, we brought it all together. And so we didn't use credit cards for like seven years. And then like after, it was about seven years of being married, we decided, all right, let's try it again. Cause it looks like a really helpful tool. So we set these three rules in place. The first one was that we would never use it for discretionary expenses. So we would never use a credit card when there's a temptation to spend more. Okay. So for me, that meant going to Lowe's for her, that might mean going to the mall or anthropology or wherever but we wouldn't use a credit card in those situations, but instead we would use it for things where there's no temptation to overspend. So maybe cell phone payment or something like that, or electric bill, like there's no temptation to overspend in that case. The second rule we had was that we would never carry a balance and so if you never carry a balance, then you're never paying money to the credit card companies. And so you're using this tool for free. And that's what we're after. That's what we want to do. And so what we did is we made a pact that if we ever carried a balance from one month to the next, that we would just cut it up and be done with it. And that has served us so well. And we've never paid any money to the credit cards because we've had those two rules in place. That's pretty motivating wow. to make sure you're within budget because you know you have to cut it up. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes yeah, a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Are there tips for picking a credit card that works well? I mean, there's so much, so many sure. to choose from. Yeah. So that's actually our third rule in this whole thing is that if we were going to use a credit card, we decided we we're going to use one that actually works for us. And so we began looking at all the different rewards cards and we all know there's rewards credit cards out there. But the thing that most people don't realize is that the difference between uh, an average rewards card versus like a really good one, it's not like twice as good. It's like 10 or 15 times better in terms of the earnings that you get. So I've had friends who've had a credit card and they'll use it for an entire year and they'll get the equivalent of a toaster or something. But meanwhile, my wife, Lynn and I, we used our credit cards because we were really strategic about the ones that we use and how we use the points. And we ended up getting over a hundred flights and a hundred hotel nights for free over a five-year period. And so there's just so much potential here. Um, and everybody's situation term is different in terms of credit score that they might have and what their goals are with their credit cards and all that. But um, but yeah, but at our website, like we have a little uh, page where we kind of go into all that and happy to share that if you guys are interested. Yeah, go ahead and share it. So it's just seed time, S-E-E-D-T-I-M-E.com slash C-C. And that has all of our current recommendations for the best cards. Cool. That's Ooh, awesome. Helpful. All right. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the main thing you hope that people are going to walk away with after reading your book, Simple Money, Rich Life. One of the main reasons we wrote the book, I mean, essentially, like I, I said before, I wanted to create a book that a book that someone who had never read a money book before would actually enjoy reading and that it would be the only one that they would need, you know? And the reason we want anyone even in the book is because we want them to understand that money is a tool. It's not the goal. Like the world wants us to believe that this is the goal and this is the thing we just should be chasing after. But when we understand that it's a tool that God has entrusted us to use, things become really, really powerful and we can impact the world around us. We can really like we can contribute to so many different things that God is doing and just kind of amplify them and move them further and make a bigger dent for what he's doing. And that's what we're after. 
You know, and mm-hmm. when you're giving, it just feels good. It does. I, I mean, know, right? Yeah, I mean, it really does. Yeah. When you're part of like helping this organization or helping that or... It's like my wife and I have this rule of if she ever comes to me and says that she knows of someone that needs money, I don't even, whatever, you do it. You go, because it feels great. It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're helping somebody out that that needs help. And that just just feels amazing. No, it really does. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's awesome. So I'm just curious, what is it that brings you joy, Bob? (laughs) Yeah, so I wouldn't have said this. I mean, since we're talking about giving, I wouldn't have said this early on because I actually was raised um, and just didn't have a lot of great experiences in giving. And it always felt like it was giving to get, it felt like it was manipulative. It felt like these were the examples I felt like I was seeing. And, you know, and I remember Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm like, I don't believe you, man. Like you must have gotten good gifts or something. Yeah. Like it didn't make any sense to me, but. (laughs) Jesus didn't receive good gifts. (laughs) (laughs) He missed his birthdays and Christmas. Well, I I know he missed Christmas, but. No, he should have been celebrating Christmas. That's his birthday. (laughs) That's his birthday. So anyway, I remember, uh, I mean, in light of this conversation and the joy of it, it's been a, it's been a process for us, but like, we've really learned to love giving and some of our greatest joys in life or greatest memories have Mm. been around giving. And I think this is a way that God designed it to be, you know, like we are blessed to be a blessing to others, you know, and when we see that and we see that what comes into our hand, isn't just for us, some of it's for others and to, uh, to push forward different things that he's doing. I don't know. It's just a better way to live. That's awesome. Mm, I love that. Love it. Yeah. Just love that. Can you leave us with just where do we start? We've just feel like we've dug ourselves into a hole and it seems Mm. like, you know, you can't go to the grocery store without breaking your own bank. (laughs) And and so where do, where do we start? I think that's a good place to end this conversation. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things to do and like, whatever cliche or not, like we need to pray. Like we need to start with God, invite him into Thank our situation. You. And I'll share something else if this is helpful for everybody, but we created a PDF of some starter financial prayers for people to pray. Cause we kept on finding that couples wanted to pray together about their finances, but didn't know how to and how to start and whatever else like that. Um, so we just created a PDF kind of sharing that. Um, so like we can share that with your listeners if you guys like, um, happy to give that, you know. Cool. So and is, yes, that, is that on the same website? Is that where yeah. that? Same website. One more quick thing before we uh, before <laughs> we go. The way the world has changed here mm-hmm. in the past, well, I would say it would have started last fall, right? You know, well, maybe even uh, closer to, I guess, it was Ukraine and the invasion. I don't know. Every, oh, everything yeah. uh, investment-wise is just kind of going, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> if If you do start putting this into practice... Yeah. And you've got this, where, where should people put their money? Should they put it in the stock market now? Should they put it in something else? Is there something safer? What what what, what, what should we do? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> where should we go? Things are crazy. I mean, as you mentioned right now. So yeah. I've been watching that crypto kind of drop since like November. Everything with the stock mm. market. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Everyone weeks. thought, oh, hey, the, the dollar's going to tank. So let's all put it in crypto. Well, that didn't, I don't yeah. know if that panned out for people or not, but you know. Yeah. So one of the things that is really fascinating right now is because we also have this crazy inflation and everything's going on. So all of our money that's sitting in a savings account is being eroded away really quickly because inflation is at like 8.2 or 3% right now. Uh, So it's a really high levels. Uh, But what you can do 
So there are um, some bonds that you can buy called TIPS or I-bonds, and they're both bonds from the U.S. government that you can buy that keep pace with inflation. And so, for example, I just looked up I-bonds yesterday. They're paying over 9% right now. Mm. And so it's a government-backed bond that is paying 9% that you can buy. So this is a pretty, uh, I mean, I think in most ways, a better way than being in a savings account right now if you have extra cash laying around. I-bonds. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, it does. I yeah. know. I want one. I buy it. Let's I go buy. get an eye. It sounds like something Apple would put out. <laughs> get your eye yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know if I would want to buy one from no. my Apple. Well, try it. <laughs> exactly. Not without checking those terms and conditions anyway. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys have a podcast, right? We do have a podcast. Go ahead and plug that. Sure. Yeah, it's just called Seed Time Money. Like seed, like you plant in the ground, seed time money. Um, yeah, and we talk about a lot of the stuff we talked about today, me and my wife, Linda. And she makes it a whole lot better. It's a lot more fun with her around. That's cool. Aww. Wow. Well, you've made this fun and yep. inspiring, Good. actually. And uh, I can't say when I've been inspired by finances. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> Good job. That's right. Yeah. So it's simple money, rich life, achieve true financial freedom, and design a life of eternal impact. Bob Loddick. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Good yeah, stuff. thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.